0: yeah all right welcome to the trash Lange podcast today is the day after the world championship monday august 22nd i am here well i am mike fouchet and i'm here with Britt pibus our main man brent halliburton is still out and about in europe i believe him and his family went to iceland after london um, so he is not here with us today we're just gonna do a short episode kind of recap the world championship a little bit uh, so first thing to say is Brent's eldest son, Liam, who has been a little bit on the podcast, actually won the senior uh, the senior division world championship which is freaking awesome uh, We are probably gonna just have him on the podcast uh, for an episode when they get back and kind of have a have a Liam show. So it's really exciting. He won with Palkia V Star Inteleon, pretty similar to the Isaiah Bradner list that did well at NAIC. I think it's two cards different. I think I saw I was looking at it. They dropped Tool Scrapper and something else for the Rapid Strike Inteleon and the Crabominable V. Um his matchup in the finals was. Those were some really good games. Did you watch? You you got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way down to the sudden death. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely felt good like when
1: it going into that I'm just like he's really favored here. Like he he should be able, he should very consistently take the first prize against the his opponent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. It felt a little anticlimactic because the first two games were so good. Like those were some of the best games that were on stream the whole weekend. And then for it to just end in two turns basically was a little anticlimactic, but, uh, it was a great set overall. Um, I think both of them played really, really well. Um, so that, that was cool. Uh, Liam had that crazy, like quadruple zigzagoon play in the first game, which I'm not a hundred percent sure was the correct play, but it ended up working out. (laughs) Um, and then I didn't get to watch the junior finals, but my understanding, it was like a Palkia mirror,
1: yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it either. Yeah, I think a
0: Japanese junior one again. Mm-hmm. Um and then we had uh Arceus Flying Pikachu mirror in the finals with I think you pronounce it Andrege. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I just know it I was making the joke about his top 8 opponent Andreas the right. same the same name <laughs> just like who has the best like Andreas Andrew <laughs> root name. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like even a little anticlimactic there I feel like just in terms of like both I think the the Japanese deck was like a cool story of the weekend, not only um, just playing Jolteon kind of in, in a way we didn't expect it. It was something I was thinking about a lot, just like, why didn't we try this in here? Like, why was it that, you mm-hmm. know, at least for the America, the West, uh, it seemed like we only decided to try Arceus with Jolteon with Gyarados for some reason. Like, obviously, there was Malamar play too. But yeah, just thinking about it the whole time, it was, it was just like, and the Japanese seem to do this at Worlds pretty consistently, but just like, what they're playing is different, but it was something like in front of our eyes the whole time right um but going into the finals it was just like yeah one guy has biberal and the other one doesn't like this will probably be not too close and Mm -hmm. that's more or less what happened his list i don't think i've seen it yet our our world champion i know it plays four bosses among other things but i don't think i've i've seen it yet so i'm curious as to what else is going
0: on there yeah i don't think he posted it yet either i did see the japanese list Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I'm sure I can find it though if it's been posted. Yeah, I just went to Pokestats has the final standings. And so they anybody that's posted their list, they have on on the notes. Um yeah, the Japanese list was pretty interesting. I agree. It's kind of like, you know, we had Arceus Pikachu and we had the Arceus Jolteon. and they're just like, well, let's really beat Palkia and just put them together. Um it is interesting that they were I the desk the Decidueye makes sense. You know, it gives you uh the soft counter to like Miltank stuff while also being good against other Arceus decks. I am surprised that he played they played the Moltres with dark energy as well. Like, I mean, I get, you know, the idea obviously is to help against Mew, but it just that pushes it like a little too much into like the too much territory for me.
1: Yeah. It's like such I um, I don't know me. It's very, very sort of like meager commitment. It's just mm-hmm. like one will trace two dark energies. Is that really sweet? You know, that's a, I think sentiment. I've definitely voiced a whole lot, especially on the RCS mu front. And is like, is this, is that really enough to tilt your matchup? Like a little skeptical, but it worked out for them. And a lot of people played, uh, did well in the open um, as yeah. well with, Um, basically the same 60 or at least like a a, a, an attempt at constructing the same 60 so Mm -hmm. it's definitely good um definitely no knocking it there but yeah it was definitely uh interesting to see something i don't know if i would have found the space for but really cool lists overall and um it was a really good world it seemed like i just like good players did well um, as well as some not so known players still doing well. Like, I don't know, like just seeing Grant Manley in the top 16 again, like that's just like, for me that he's just like, he's so close. He he's always, he's always in the top 16, but doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't sort of get there after that point. I feel like he's just like well, a little bit of luck away from winning worlds or something very big himself. So that was, that's always cool to see. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure he would wish to wish to have done a little bit better, but Um, Just such consistent results. Uh, Cal Connor, obviously, too. The U.S. didn't do super hot um, when everything shook out, but we did get uh, Cal Connor into the asymmetric cut that he he lost um, in the win and in I believe. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was wondering about that. Does he get – is he just ninth place then and then just is shy of the top eight placings, or does everyone in the asymmetric cut, like, technically get
0: eighth or something if you're eliminated right away? It's a good question. My guess is he's just ninth,
1: but that would be know. mine. That would be mine too, which it definitely yeah. like feels bad. Like you don't know, you're you, you get to play an extra round for you know n- absolutely nothing right. compared <laughs> to the rest of top sixteen. But you could have won the whole tournament. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that wouldn't be true for 15th place or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there was a bunch of other cool decks. Like obviously, I think the main takeaways coming out of the tournament are Palkia. Is the by like by far the most powerful deck, so much so that Arceus has to play Pikachu and Jolteon to really beat it. Um, but it, Arceus playing Pikachu Jolteon is probably now going to be extremely popular as well. So we'll see kind of how that affects the popularity and success of Palkia going forward. Um, but there was a lot of other interesting decks that did pretty good or Even if they didn't do pretty good, were are at least uh, worth talking about. So you mentioned Grant, Grant, and Grant got top sixteen with the Ice Rider Palkia Biberal deck, uh, very similar to the list that we. It's it's pretty different from what Frank was playing back at NAIC. It's probably at least like eight or nine cards different, even though it has the same core, but very similar to what we've seen in like the last couple weeks leading up to Worlds in terms of the list, like they drop Path to the Peak and things like that. Um, but Azul, Caleb Getimer, Daniel Tavila all played it as well. Um, I think Azul got top 32, and then the other two didn't do quite as well. Um, but that deck, I think, is probably still quite strong. Um, it seems like one of the few decks that probably has a pretty good matchup against the Arceus, Pikachu, Jolteon. Um, it doesn't really care that much about Jolteon. It plays the one Scrapper. You know, you Scrapper when you want to use Palkia's ability, um, and you have Ice Rider that's not getting one shot by anything in their deck. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a little bit more popular. Um, what else do we have there? Oh, the, the then there was also the other Jolteon deck, the Palkia Jolteon deck. <laughs> Um, which is super interesting. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a, a a mainstay of the format. But I got top sixteen and had some other placements as well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's
1: interesting. I I kind of agree. I, it's not something I I really people will still play it to be sure. Like, but to the point where is it like worth like worrying about as a deck? I'm not sure. It's cool. Like I, I like it. You know, we saw it on stream at least once where it. Mm-hmm. Um, just instead of Intellion, it's just kind of doing similar to like what RCS biberol does compared to RCS Intellion, and just kind of a, a, a souped up supporter camp, heavy research, heavy Marnie, and then just forgoes Intellion itself for Jolteon, which I thought was pretty cool. And like, it definitely worked. Some games, they completely shut down some Intellion players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the metagame going forward um, is definitely interesting. I feel like it's for the most part, just like... S- finding the right text for RCS. Like RCS just has so much space to adapt because you don't really, it's just so self-sufficient on its own and barely needs anything. And then you can just pair anything with it. And that's sort of where my head would be going in, or at least starting to prep for Baltimore. That's just a little about, um, about a month away. And yeah, just sort of like, where does the form, where do we go with our text next? It's so like, you know, I could see, see a world where you're, like heavier into fighting, both to like stop Pikachu and um, and Arceus, and, and maybe because of that, maybe Dunsparce gets played again, and the fighting stuff isn't so good, and so on and so forth. There's just a lot of a lot of ways to go, and I guess also too, so much of it really seems to depend, to depend on like where the other decks go as well. And so I think felt pretty good about this, at least on our last episode, we had a little discussion on just like, I think Reggie's is pretty good still. It's always Mm -hmm. been a mystery (laughs) as to why it fell off and we saw Pablo play it and um, do quite well. Um, And so, yeah, and that's, that's a similar thing. It's just like where flying Pikachu gets a lot of mileage because it's lightning and can sort of shore up these other matchups for you, or at least be very annoying. If against Reggie's, against Blissey, these kind of off kilter decks, uh, not quite sort of centered around the metagame. Um, but yeah, like that's just like, will people continue to play that? Maybe that will find uh, a better metagame or something like that. Or even the, the Lunatone and Solrock deck that uh, both Drew and Frank played. Um, neither of them did particularly well, but um, yes. Yeah. I, Frank had a little I wrote wrote some stuff to it, uh, just like a little report of like why you would play it, like why he doesn't regret it, and so on. And there was there was definitely some good sentiment in there. Or at least one of the uh, one of the replies that I I really thought was quite insightful from Ahmed, my friend Ahmed, who I've been started working on decks with kind of at the end of this format, and haven't really talked to him since AIC, but hope to be doing the same moving in the next format. But he, he his point was just like. Yeah, you know, like at a at a certain point, the the margins to really outplay your opponent just like kind of aren't there, and so especially at at a, at a tournament like Worlds, like you need to have an advantage. Like maybe you play a gimmick deck, but if it works, like you win these rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's definitely like that. That was just like a very insightful um, way to put it. I think, and something definitely true there. And at least like a lot of times, like, yeah, like, I don't know, we'll talk about that, or you'll hear top players talking about, just, yeah, just outplay them or something like that, and, like, (laughs) to a certain degree, that's true, or is possible, but then equally, like, just the way that Pokemon is sort of constructed as a game, sometimes, like, outplay your opponent, like, you, you really just don't get the opportunity to sometimes, based on how you draw, based on how they draw, based on how the matchup goes, so yeah, sort of shoring up these these other advantages and more riskier ways. Like you you have a deck that wins against you know certain archetypes, but lose it, guaranteed losses against others, and it's you know kind of a metagame roulette mm-hmm. um, at a certain point. And that's just like I guess for me as a player, that's typically where I fall. I don't ever feel like I've never had sec- success really, like like on the Azul decks or the Jay Hornung decks, Igor just playing these like uber consistent top archetypes and just like crushing it through. I feel like I always like need a little, need the edge, need to cut a little consistency for like a special tech and things like that. Um, Perhaps as a flaw, but definitely something I I think about a lot in terms
0: of my own play skill and and deck choice and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's, all exacerbated at the world championships, right? Um, Because everyone is incredible. And I think um, whoever made the long Twitter post about the Palkia agility on deck basically kind of said the same thing. I think it might've been Fabian. Um, And he was like, You know, Jolteon is really good against Inteleon, and the world championship is full of really good players, and they're going to favor Inteleon engine because it gives them so many options and ways to play well. And so, how about we kind of play this gimmicky deck that takes away that option from them? So I think that's especially true at the world championship and depending on how you see your player skill and the level of tournament you can kind of fall somewhere along that spectrum um you mentioned before you'd kind of be interested in looking at other arceus decks did you see the top 16 arceus agron deck
1: yeah i sure did that's one of the main ones. I, I, bought, I bought i bought a lot of cards over the weekend um mm-hmm. I'm mostly just picking, like I hadn't bought anything from the ghost set. I didn't own, Pal- I don't own Palkia's yet. So I kind of bought like uh, just sort of what I was missing from Kevin Clemente's deck, his uh, Arceus Inteleon Charizard box with the Dredagon. Um, and then just like I bought Palkia stuff. I bought Agron's. Yeah, I did I did see that. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about it. It's definitely like the deck I'm going to start testing the most. I feel like if I do go to Baltimore, which I'm, <laughs> leaning pretty strongly towards I'd like to go. And I, I think as we'll maybe discuss in the next episode or after that, I think that it's just, just a good area for Mikey and Brent already. So I'll make it over there and then would we'll have the, the Midwest Peoria one right after that. And then there's a decent break, I think, um, between that. And I guess that will be lost origins coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely just like on kind of on the subject of different RCS boxes, like, yeah, he did. I believe he did well, top sixteen in the London Open with it as well. Um, so okay. yeah, I, that's actually just like I'm planning on just DMing him to get so could get some insight on the deck. But Agron is super cool. Um, I yeah, don't, I don't have a good
0: answer for why it would be better than Corviknight. That's kind of my big question. Um, well, so I didn't know what Agron did until about two minutes ago when I was looking. But uh, I'll come back to Agron in a sec. But the one the one other thing just about the list is it's a very aggressive Arceus build, even minus the agron stuff. It has Mm. double Zigzagoon, double Choice Belt, which I think is going to be quite good against the finalist decks, the Arceus Flying Pikachus, because they don't have a way to one-shot the Arceus V, and you do. And so if you go first, you'll probably just... Like win the game, right? As long as you're able to boss goon belt combo. Um, so that aspect of it is really cool. It Going first, it's super aggressive. You can probably do the same thing against Palkia as well. Going second is probably a bit weaker because of that. But um, so the Agron, for those of you that don't know, like me, the Vmax does for five energy, it does 270. Um, so double metal, triple colorless. So I guess the math there is you would Trinity Nova, three metals to it, and then play a double turbo energy. So now you're doing 250, but with a belt, you're hitting 280. So that's pretty relevant. Um, It does take the extra double turbo. So that's a negative towards Corviknight. But I think it has has 10 more HP, which could be relevant. And the basic V has 230 HP, which is definitely relevant, um, more than the 220. So it can't be like gusted down or anything. And its attack is actually pretty good too. Um, For five energy, it does, if they have one counter on it or any damage counters on it, it does 150 plus 150. So you can use that to one shot a V-Max. You could use it to one shot a V-Star just through a Zigzagoon ping. Um, And so the aggressiveness of playing double Zigzagoon is kind of, complemented by having the Agron in there uh and it's not really a big commitment just a two one line you're going to play basic energy anyway um i don't know it seems pretty cool <laughs> yeah i mean at least on
1: back to return to the Corviknight point it just seems like Corviknight is just so like has free retreat and attacks for less like it just it's a lot to even you know like you say it's not a whole lot dex face wise of a commitment And i, I was thinking about like Other ways you could play it, like, I was curious about if you could try to play the Zamazenta, like, while you're at it, too, just as another big damage thing towards the end of the game, or, like, energy switches and things like that. It's just, it's a lot to get five energy on a Pokemon, especially if you're, like, trying to be proactive with Arceus's, but it doesn't play any of the, like, none of the defensive Arceus cards. It doesn't play Big Charm, it doesn't play Charon's Care, and... So, I guess Arceus is kind of just like a different thing in that deck. You're more just using it to accelerate and then you pivot off it. It's not part of your kind of end game strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like the just the the, the, having the metal Pokemon probably just makes your Ice Rider matchup like really good Mm -hmm. as well. And that's like Ice Rider probably has a fairly solid. Arceus matchup and that's that's one reason why i'm interested in it just like i like that just like the natural win like i'm not playing agron to beat ice rider but i have this metal pokemon in my deck and you know you only have two two palkia against me now kind of thing so i definitely like i'm sure that is i would like to see his full like um matchup spread Mm -hmm. but i would i would think a, a lot of like you say like the top the top matchups all seem pretty good i could see like like Liam, uh, Liam's Palkia, Isaiah Bradner's Palkia. I could see something like that, like being pretty tricky, just kind of being having a lot more tempo on you, especially if you have to give second. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's like the first deck I want, I want to try to play test and see see how I like it moving forward, just like probably commit myself to some sort of RCS variant for mm-hmm. the first part of the format until uh, Lost Origins. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Cool. Um, What else? So you mentioned Pablo's Regigigas, just worth mentioning. It was a slightly different build than we've seen before. He ran four Pokestop, four choice belt, and that was kind of the differentiator. I I, I assume you saw Pablo's game losing misplay against Isaiah. Yeah, the energy. Yeah, that was unfortunate. He just played a little bit too quick, realized it basically immediately, and... Oh well, yeah, it turned a turned a shore win into a into a tie. Um so that sucks. And then similarly, but uh, Ross also misplayed on stream pretty badly. Uh so that was unfortunate seeing like two of my best friends in the game kind of misplay their wins into ties. Um, but Ross's deck was great. Uh I talked a decent amount about the Radiant Charizard Inteleon deck a couple weeks ago. Um, the list is not too different than what you've seen on the Limitless tournaments. We didn't play the Dark Package, but that's kind of the only thing. You saw on stream he played Candy into Inteleon and just used that as the secondary attacker. And the deck was really good. I mean, Ross made it through day one. He almost made top eight. And then in the open, he was 7-1 and then had to leave early. Um, Didn't get to play the last two rounds so he can make his flight. So he had like a really incredible weekend with the deck. I think the deck is still pretty strong, but the advent of Jolteon is going to make it a little dicier. Um, I'm going to try and play those matchups, but my guess is it won't be quite as viable with that. Um, The other thing is that basically all of the top U.S. players that played some type of Palkia, so the Bradner group stuck with Palkia and Talion, Azul and Grant played Ice Rider Palkia, all of them played Canceling Cologne in their deck, which is not like, it's not going to auto-win the matchup, but it makes it much tra- harder for the Charizard deck because at some point in the game, Augusta, Manaphy, Cologne, and Greninja, two of your Inteleon pieces down. So, but I think the deck is still pretty good. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it was one I just like sort of because it didn't really, like Ross, Ross like very realistically, like could have made top eight, but outside of him, I didn't really feel like anyone had any success with the deck, but I, I'm not ter- too familiar with other people that tried it. You yeah. know, like Kevin obviously played it day one. I believe Kiernan, Wagner. I don't know if the people he was with also played it, but I know he played a, Slightly different version of it. I know he was playing Ultund, which I'm not yeah. sure what that does.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, the biggest difference between our list and the others is that we had for Irida as our main engine. And a lot of the other lists played stuff like two Bird Keeper with the Rowlet and two Raihan. And that gives you more options, but it just makes the deck a lot clunkier. Arita is just so so good. It makes the deck so smooth. You know, you get rock sand late in the game. You can, you know, you have outs to like incense and level ball, but also you can just hit an arita and uh, be great because you, you know, you arita for ordinary rod and Talion, you ordinary rod the Charizard back, you're Inteleon for quick ball energy search or whatnot. And you're just attacking with Charizard again. And so uh, Arita is kind of the biggest difference, I think, between what many of these Inteleon toolbox decks played. And I wouldn't even call Rasta's deck Inteleon toolbox. It's just like Inteleon Charizard. Um, so I do think that's the big biggest difference. The only other deck that I wanted to mention was Tord's deck, um, <laughs> which was Vika Inteleon, Ludicolo, with Charizard, with Radiant Charizard, Charizard as well. Um, it seemed like, based on what was posted on Twitter, Philip might have actually came up with the deck and then Tord ended up playing it. But we saw Tord on stream round two of day two. He lost to Jose. And I think you called, by the way, like a week or two ago. You're like, Jose is going to play the Arceus Charizard. <laughs> like,
1: no, I was wrong. I thought he was oh, gonna play. Uh, he was playing Vic uh, or to de Situai. That's what I thought. Oh, oh, right right, 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 right. But the, I should I should have guessed that because he played. I think he played the the other one at NAIC, and then the, he played Charizard at Milwaukee for sure. Mm, yeah, that does both of them feel like very Jose Dex
0: though, for sure. Yeah,
1: definitely Charizard. He, he's like one of those players that. Um, Like Alex Wilson too, just like if their, if their favorite Pokemon is good, like that's, that's what they'll be playing. That's (laughs) that sort of story. Yeah. Um,
0: But so the Tord, Philip Schultz deck is interesting. Um, I played one game with it yesterday just to like, see how it felt. I don't know. I'm sure there's like a lot of different lines you can take, but the fact that neither of them did very well tells me that the deck's probably not that good. (laughs) <laughs> it's cool though and probably with jolteon in the format it's like even even worse now um, so we haven't talked about Mew at all Mew obviously
1: like it was something i think we had to read on as many players did sort of saw the format softening on their how they wanted to answer Mew, and it just clearly had been creeping in in the online results and we saw um two and I guess two in that top nine, uh, only mm-hmm. one in the top eight, but several other um, great players did well with it. Uh, Gabe Smart was very close to making top cut, um, which would, would be, have been on the same uh, shuffle squad list, I believe. Mm-hmm. Al and uh, Zach. Um, yeah, I'm not sure too sure its results beyond that, but it was just like, and Again, gonna just. Unfortunately, I I I just loathe these decks. I loathe playing against these kind of decks. Whether it's just the Night March of the format for me, <laughs> um, just in terms of just the way it plays, and I just I never feel like I have too much agency against it. I just kind of hope they fizzle and hope their flips aren't too good. But it will continue to be a deck going forward, for better or
0: worse. Yeah, 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 and for sure. And it's probably. Favored against all of the Arceus flying Pikachu decks, right? Right, at least slightly favored. We saw Andre lose to Andrej in top eight, but it felt awkward. Each game that he lost felt a little unfortunate, which is kind of just new in general. But um, did you get to see Pramawat's Mew list from the? Yeah, open? I was.
1: Just, I was just about to mention that he played a, a goofier Turbo version
0: in the Open. Yeah. So that list is really cool. I don't know if it's better than standard mu lists, but it's cool. It's really sweet. <laughs> similar to uh similar in concept to Stefan's Diaga list that he played as well. But Mu seems better. The mute Turbo seems better than Diaga Turbo to me. Yeah, I don't know. I I love Dialga, but I mean Dialga is also really good against Arceus Flying Pikachu. So I don't know. Maybe it could be still good. It's just so Palk- the Palkia matchup is just so hard. Like and, and I can't think of anything to make the Palkia matchup better. I talk I talked with Xander a bunch as well going into Worlds again about Dialga. He ended up playing Palkia day one. But he was deciding between Dialga and Palkia. And then I think he played Dialga for the open. And then didn't do that great. Maybe he went, I don't know, is he on the standing standard? No, he didn't top 32. So
1: yeah, it's Stefan played playing an interesting Dialga as well with the cross receiver, which is like cross switcher, but it just picks a Pokemon or Something else up out of your discard?
0: I think it's supporter.
1: Porter, yeah. If you if you play them in tandem,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, Dalga I feel somewhat similarly about in the same way I feel again about playing against Mew. Um, <laughs> but Dalga just is like, I don't know. The whole package isn't as sort of just like there, and the, the way just Mew just was given everything, and just in that one set in terms of just like everything it needs to run well, whereas Daoga is kind of just like, kind of playing with a lot of odd cards here and there. Like you have your Mew, you have your Greninja and so on and so forth, and Mew is just like, it's got a supporter and a Pokemon just like built in to make it work. Yeah. And more HP too, so I would, I guess, um, not to say that we were kind of arguing one versus the other, but I would think Mew is definitely better, just has, better options like you can just blow people out with meloetta whereas Dioga is always just like just hoping to cheese them quickly yeah i agree
0: um other like fringy decks i that basically didn't see any play blissey i don't know if anybody played it we saw an arc Duraladon on stream the the round against Ross, but other than that, I don't know if anybody played it. Um, but that guy was doing pretty well. I mean, that they were at five one at the time, so he was he clearly lost his winning in because he was five one one after after that tie. Um, I forget what his name was, but oh yeah, Christian La, Christian Labella. He ended up 31st. Um, So it did okay for at least that one person. And there wasn't really anybody else playing it. Uh, And then the other like big thing is, and we kind of called it in the last episode, but Arceus Teleon was almost nowhere to be seen in the event. Uh, I do think one made top 16. Yeah. One made top 16, but for how popular it was in NAIC and the weeks following NAIC, that's like a really, that's a really big difference. Um, and I, I don't think that many people played it, but I think the metagame also wasn't that good for it. Palkia is a really tough matchup. The Arceus, typically the Arceus non-Inteleon decks are good good matchups for Arceus Inteleon, but I can imagine the Jolteon makes it really close. Um, so I don't really know what the status of Arceus Inteleon will be going forward. You still lose to Palkia. But maybe Palkia will have to adapt a little bit to deal with Jolteon, and maybe that could provide uh, an opening for our and Inteleon again. Yeah,
1: that's one. Uh, just anything with Inteleon like probably is never going fully away. It's just always yeah. so robust and has options. Like maybe maybe it, it just needs like. Another iteration, and it's like metagame adaptations. Like I maybe just like heavier focused on the Charizard or something like that, rather than going the just like purely vanilla route. Like some way to some way to make it work, but like it just needs a new partner or something like that to kind of give it a, an edge. Whereas like the the that's just sort of what happens with all the RCS fibrolists is that they just get to fit another color in or something like that. Usually with the with the extra space. By not
0: committing to a stage two. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, I think that's the meta uh, more or less. Um, As Britt mentioned, Baltimore is in a couple weeks, three, four weeks, something like that. Now Uh, I'll definitely be going. It's very close for me. I know Brent will definitely be going as close to him. And then other than that, we have more or less the season details, at least in terms of the events, not in terms of how many championship points you will need for an invite. Uh, I was trying to think about what I, if like, let's assume that there's no League cup or League Challenges. What is a good, what would be a fair amount of points for a day one invite for North America? I have a number in my head.
1: I mean, fair versus like, I I mean, I don't really expect any changes myself. I think Mm -hmm. that, um, I think my my theory is that um, Players' Cup and team challenges will be around again and perhaps we'll, at least the former, will be able to award championship points this time around. That was always something we speculated at possibly happening in just like a, a logical way or maybe if live comes like out of beta into a full release but I I guess I don't think that's the case since people there was a live set of bat worlds and some people talked to them and seemed to get some answers on to just like the general problems and what seems to be going on and I think Brent called this really more than anyone but um, as far as like I don't think there's any competitive ambitions for live I think it's purely a just like Gateway into the game, a, a teaching tool. It's just like about accessibility and things like that. I don't, I don't think. So backing off a little, I guess. I don't necessarily expect online championship points to be coming. um Yeah, I mean, I don't really. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be wrong. This is, you know, I'm not advocating for this, but I, I would expect 500 points again. Mm. That seems pretty reasonable, and like maybe we can save this for another ep- uh, part of it for another episode because I think um yes that was a hot topic last week whether like no locals was good or bad yeah, yeah um and I have kind of somewhat leaning it's it's like semantics I don't think it's like good but I, I do think that like no cups is is a good place to be like I, I think in terms of just like championship points I think that there's ways you can make locals matter without them being necessary to the the grind and I, I find that um, just the environments can be sort of schismed in that way because like the local, the local players that don't travel don't, I can't, imagine it's not a very enjoyable experience, experience for them if they just get farmed by these, by these stipend chasers every time. So I think if you like you remove the, that elements out and I think like locals are in a good place, but it's just like very telling to me that like the most competitive players are all so vocal about it being a good thing. And then the, the more average players are just like, no, we need them and <laughs> why they need them. There's varying reasons for it. and Some are good. Some are not. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess just to go back on that point, like I would I hope that I don't know. Japan's in a recession. Tim Foyle hat. theory this is how they're going to bust the economy back is bringing foreigners (laughs) to worlds um for multiple pokemon center experiences so i would i would hope i would love i would be overjoyed for it to be a 300 point year or something like that
0: Uh, 300 was kind of where that was the number in my head which i think would be if there was no locals i think if you set it 300 you'd probably get approximately the same amount of people with Invite state and like the approximately the same amount of people not really super, super try harding for like day two, but going for a day one invite. I think if you keep it at 500, you're going to make it too ridiculous for a lot of people. Cause I was thinking like, so 500, that means the difference is like 200 points from locals, which is just four League Cup wins or something like that, which is not that much uh i feel like that's a reasonable amount to take away um but getting 300 points that's like getting you could get six top 32s at regionals attending six regionals is a, is is a lot for a lot of people um and then also getting six top 32 so it probably necessitates at least one pretty good finish like one top 8 i think gets you 100 points so if you like top 8 you still need 200 more points So I think people that don't attend even at 300 people that don't attend at least six to eight regionals are like not really going to be in the running at all. And if, so if you make it 500, like you pretty much have to go to every single regional and I guess the ICs pay out a lot more, but there's not a lot of people going to be going to the, the ICs. I mean, each year going to, australia or brazil it's really like 30 people 40 people from north america tops uh europe gets a little bit more but not that much more um so if it's 500 like i am there's zero percent chance i'm gonna go for an invite even at 300 that's kind of a i would kind of have like go to a couple regionals in the first half of the year and then see what it's like um so, uh I don't know. My biggest thing is that I just want them to tell us as soon as possible. And I I assume you saw my tweet or last night or earlier today where I was like I am super excited for Japan. I'm going to try and go. My my wife and Kelly, we want to try and make a trip out of it. But Pokémon has always been really bad about giving us details. And this is if they want people to go, they need to give these details like really soon. <laughs> uh yeah. hope-
1: what were you said say? No, yeah, sorry. I mean, I think, I mean, that's obviously true, but like, not only is it just like historically always the case, but we, we live in sort of like a different world now where every yeah. every game, every business is communicating years at a time in these like roadmap sort of presentations and like Magic just did one. In fact, like basically the same, very similar to the Comic-Con MCU thing. Where it's just like, here's all of our movies for the next three years, like, yep um magic is just like here's our set for all the years and i mean blizzard does does that all the time like hearthstone like you don't know what the sets are things like that but it's just like quarter one here's a set then a mini set and so on and like you just have a general idea of what's going on and like obviously i guess we understand the release cadence for the cards themselves um Maybe something different coming with uh, new. The, they said it in the the world's presentations with with the new the new cards, the new standard for twenty twenty three. So probably going to rotate then, um, something like that. But we'll see. Um, but yeah. But anyways, yeah. I mean, it's it's just really really sort of like I I don't think you don't have any reason to expect anything else. But yeah, we're we're just always so in the dark for half the season in certain years, like. There's one year we didn't know the points until towards the end there was one year we didn't know where worlds was until the middle like things like that just always happen and yeah the the lack of transparency is is a little disappointing to be sure especially with with something like this that it's going to take a lot of time and coordination to figure out like it's even worth going to these tournaments and if it is like um, I mean similarly like you just want to know as soon as possible cuz you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by being like I am just not going to go to these early ones and then yeah. you just, you're just out of luck if the, that what the whatever the case may be is just sort of against what your
0: plans were. Yeah. Uh, and vice versa. I don't want to go to too many events if if I think the goal is unrealistic for me to reach. Um and there's also been another good point going around Twitter about just travel to Japan right now is still extremely restricted. So I assume Pokemon has some plan for that. But I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would guess that they're just predicting, hoping right. that, that it will just be fine at that point in time. Like, yeah, I mean, I've, I'll probably be going to Worlds no matter what. So I've had a Japan trip booked since like last year january and just haven't been able to go because of their covid restrictions and now it's just like well i hope it works out then so yeah it would definitely be like bizarre a a Mm -hmm. weird sort of twilight zone for it to just like not be any better and we all just have to like quarantine for two weeks before we can be let out into
0: the country yeah 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 man we'll see i'm sure we'll talk about it more okay i think we've been going for like an hour so let's uh wrap it up. Thank you for listening. I probably don't have the, uh, outro track, but we will see you next week, hopefully with our senior world champion, Liam. All right, cool. Um,